Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Direct Sales Mastery. I'm your host, your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger, helping you whip your business into shape. And today I have with me Regina Carey. Now, Regina, for over 30 years, has been a strengths-based coach and passion instigator. Oh my God, I love that title. And she has helped high achievers struggling with ADHD, social anxiety, depression, chronic fatigue, and other invisible disabilities to take confident, decisive action, build lasting relationships, and bring in profit. Her methods focus out on moving forward, paying close attention to language, and letting go of the crap. Oh, I love this. She has the capability to light a fire in your belly in less than 15 minutes and has been described as a natural dose of antidepressant for people. So, Regina, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I'm excited to be here because I know you are a badass and (laughs) I enjoy spending any kind of time with women badasses. So let's get to getting. Yeah, let's let's get this going. So. Tell us, how did you get into, and it, I don't know if the listeners all recognize the strengths-based thing. It's something I'm familiar I'm familiar with it. I'm not like an expert. My sister knows a lot about it. But how did you get to where you are? And tell us a little bit about the strengths-based piece. Right. I, I have been working in the field of special education for pretty much 40 years because I started when I was in high school. and. I've always loved working with people with disabilities. And when I started out, I worked with severe handicapped. And as I grew into, you know, college years and went after my degree in special education, I was always able to work with these kids. You know, what if when you hear somebody's a special ed teacher, one of the first things people always say is, oh, you must have so much patience. And, you know, that's bullshit. Not really. It's not about (laughs) patience. Uh It's about being able to see something that other people cannot. Mm. And that includes the individual, you know. So I have always worked on helping individuals build up what they already have inherently, a strength of theirs, what they can do. Because when I was working with severely cognitively impaired people, you know, I, I remember holding, holding a scent, a, a scented cotton ball, like we'd put essential oils on it and hold it under their noses to see if there was a reaction. Like that's the basic level that I was working with on, on wow. some people. But the, the joy that we had when there was something there that they wreck it, they smelled it. So then we could build on that. And from the very first classroom I ever had in North Carolina, 
I went in as a 21-year-old teacher, and the only thing in the room were cockroaches and desks. And that was it. (laughs) And so any teacher listening knows you have to build on that. So my whole career has been about building, building up places and people and leaving them better than I found them. And I'll tell you what doesn't work, going after people's weaknesses, trying to make their weaknesses better and stronger. And that's not, it, it doesn't work. Right. It really, there's no motivation in that. And so that strength space is about taking what you already do well and building on it. And we start with a lot of scaffolding, a lot of supports, and then eventually take those away, just like, just like you would when you're building a house. Yeah. Now, are you also into the, the strengths finders as well? Do you? No. You know what I believe people's key strength finder, what a a strength finder really looks like is helping them identify what their values are. Mm. And knowing when I work, especially when I work with women, I'm amazed at the shift that happens when they really determine what's important to them, not to their community, not to their faith community, not to their spouse or partner, not to their kids, but to them. Yeah. And that's a game changer. It really is. Because then you begin to make decisions based on what you value. Oh, that is so good. So good. So what took you from, because I can tell you the number of people who are in direct sales, network marketing, and MLM, who started in the classroom like you did, like I did, what moved you from the classroom to what you're doing now? How'd you, how'd you go from classroom to coach? <laughs> opportunity, taking advantage and being ready for when that opportunity knocked. And I'm one who says yes, often. <laughs> yes, let's do it. So I had an opportunity at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to have a master's paid for. Ooh. And that was no small gift. You know, I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I began my master's and I knew at that moment that that degree and that opportunity was going to widen my impact. So now I wasn't just working one-to-one with students. I was working with college students. I was working with teachers coming back in for advanced learning. I was teaching teachers and then I was training faculty and staff. And so my reach just kept getting bigger. And as a result of kind of following my husband around, which I hate to admit, but it's true, because I really liked him and I decided I wanted to keep him, even though he was making these great changes in our <laughs> lives. So I bounced around and, and created a position pretty much wherever I went. And really, Jenny, I only interviewed for my very first job. Hmm. Everything I've done since then, I've either created on my own or walked in and said, you need me because I can make this place better. I can help your students do, you know, succeed or whatever it was. But yeah, I was kind of looking back on it. That was a pretty bold move for a, you know, 20 something, 30 something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No kidding. And so now you continue <laughs> to work with women with ADHD, which is why I think we were brought together is because my audience knows they've been listening for any amount of time. They know I'm ADHD diagnosed for 23 years now. 
what attracted you specifically into that realm and the other invisible disabilities? Gosh, I, I have always been involved from the, and in fact, when I started my master's at UNC, I was surrounded by many of the leaders in the learning disabilities community. Mm -hmm. And so instantly I was thrown into volunteering. So that most of these organizations, CHAD, LDA, ADA, they're all, you know, nonprofits and volunteer based. And I was very active in those. And as a result, I met Sari Solden, who, of course, wrote the book on women with ADHD. I was just looking, I'm holding up her <laughs> journeys through adulthood that is back out in publication recently. But I met Sari and that was 25 years ago. And we have been fast friends and she's been my mentor for 25 years. So I've sort of been elbow to elbow with these folks, learning from them all along the way. And it's been my absolute pleasure and I'm in awe, really, of the, the, the humans I've met from Ned Hollowell, John Rady, Sari Solden, mm -hmm. Ellen Lippman. I mean, the, but the, what's, what I love about them is that they opened the door for women to be diagnosed, to admit their struggles, and to, you know, Sari always talks about not identifying yourself with the ADHD, that you are more than the diagnosis. And, you know, you don't need fixing or trying to get over yourself. So, yeah, that just the, the opportunities along the way and being in that community, being a part of it mm -hmm. has been, I mean, Sari and I were doing, doing um, the long distance and the, you know, we were Zooming before Zooming was a thing and, and <laughs> building community before community was a thing. And I just, it's, it, I love that people are no longer afraid to, to go out and get tested. And oh, yeah. I, it's been phenomenal seeing how social media has actually made the acceptance of this and the, it really feels like it's taken away the stigma. Now, I'm coming from a place of entrepreneurship where, yeah, there's right. a lot less stigma around it because I don't have to worry about a boss looking down on me because guess yeah. what? My boss has ADHD too. <laughs> right. 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 Um, so it, I, I recognize that there are people who are still working either part time or or maybe full time jobs while doing their entrepreneurial side gig until they can make it their full time thing and where they maybe don't feel like they can be open as open maybe 10 right. years ago compared to now. And now I think there's a lot more openness to people saying, hey, look, this is a part of who I am. Right. And so yes. here's what you can expect from me, because this is how my ADHD shows up. Right. Or like, how do you work with people who are in positions like that? Well, we identify right off the bat. It always throws people off when I ask them what they're really great at, you know, because they say, well, wait a minute, I'm coming to you because I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm having difficulty you know, in right. this part of my position. And while that's important. I first have to find out what they do well and what's important to them. 
And then we go into these statements like, you know, I, I can't, or I'm, I'm always late and I get called out on my boss. You know, I get uh, publicly humiliated when I'm late to a meeting or, and so what I know is that that constant punishment (laughs) that, Mm -hmm. that we do to ourselves because we hear it from, we get it from people in our family. We get it from people at work, sort of that finger shaking. Yeah. And then we begin to believe that we're somehow broken, that we're not right. And then the stories begin, the the thought distortions start about, well, who am I to start a side gig? I can't even do my real job or put it, you know, whatever right. they might say to themselves. But what we begin to do, and like I you mentioned in the opening, is I really listen to their language. So when people say, I'm always late, okay, well, let's find out if that's true, you know, mm-hmm. and let's find out how that, how that is working, how that's serving you. Because for a while it does serve them. They get, they, they get late, they get some attention, they get, they say, oh, it's okay. You're okay. Just let's, right. you know, get right into the work or whatever it is. But we begin to shift the language a little bit and then we peel back like the scaffolding. So we work backwards. If you need to be there at 10 o'clock, then we, then let's look at what your routines are. Because usually that's the, that's the key. Like I try to find the center of the onion. Mm-hmm. Like it really is that there's no morning routine and there's no evening routine. So if you have no routine or nothing to count on. Right. And it is difficult to get out the door because you want to do that one last thing. Yeah. But then teaching people to use the language, like, even though I'm late, or even though I'm having difficulty finishing this task, it's not that I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. It's that I need some support. Or I know I pay better attention when I'm at a standing desk. Would it be possible for us to order a standing desk so that I can move and shift my weight? And that helps me pay attention. I can stay focused longer. Ooh. Yeah. Just knowing those little things. I, I think it's so true. Um to to find the things that work. And oftentimes when there is an invisible disability, we know it never stands alone. So ADHD is usually partnered up and, you know, linked arms with depression or with a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And often language is the biggest pitfall. It's how you're processing it, how you're speaking it. Like how many times have you ever driven away from something and thought, oh my, I can't believe I didn't say that's what I should have said. Right. You know, you it's the processing. It takes a little bit. So often I will feed part of the scaffolding is to feed the language and give you the vocabulary so that in that moment you can say, thanks for asking that question. I will get back to you tomorrow at 8 a.m. with an answer. Ooh. So it sounds like you are on point. You know, you need time to process and that's how you do it. Yeah. And it, I I would absolutely agree with that because, I mean, the number of times, and I know lots of people have that experience, but I think what differentiates the the ADHD or the people who have that other processing disorder, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. is the the volume with which it happens, right? Because yep. I hear from a lot of people who would be considered probably neurotypical, right? you know, oh, well, I, I experienced that. Yeah. You experience that like once a month, you experience that a couple times a year. We have this daily, hourly, 
like every other minute, depending on what symptom or experience it is. It's it's the difference is sheer volume. Right. You know, and helping those people to understand that. So so as we find these experiences that we're having and shifting the language around it and shifting because that shifting the language helps shift the thought process. Yeah. Yes. So Mm -hmm. as we're going through and doing this, what are some of the what would you say is your favorite story? How about this? Your favorite story of someone you've worked with to take them through this process and what was the really cool outcome that came from working with you? Mm. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about a woman who who just victim 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 and her family and her friends and everybody was against her and and they always do this and they never do that and I'm always the one who okay well the first thing we did was we dropped the always never language and that was huge yeah and then when she would and then I'm I'm a big believer in dropping an apostrophe t so well I can't do that well that wouldn't work I'll never you know and and so what I shifted that language into was I'm working on this. I'm like I I can't do this. Okay, well, I'm I'm working toward letting go or getting off Facebook or whatever it is. So I I just saw this woman in fact yesterday and she said somebody asked me for a large amount of money and told me that I never ever helped them and this was a child of hers never helped them. And she said, I looked at my child and I said, I love you. And I am not going to give you any money. You'll figure it out. I, I mean, the line in the sand, when people mm-hmm. begin to set boundaries and to let go of the need to protect and prevent anyone in their lives from feeling what they felt. As women, we often try to protect people from being disappointed, protect people from being angry. And so as a result, when you draw the lines, when you begin to take care of yourself, to say no and to recognize that you have no control over the way other people are going to behave, then you show up healthier and you stand a little taller. This woman stands tall now. She used to, when I met her, she was hunched over and she was always curled up. She stands taller. She smiles more often. She has learned to let go of toxic people in her life. And she's healthier as a result. She had a beautiful, a beautiful time with her family who she chose and invited to be there on purpose. You know, it's like she knows who to bring into her life. Anyway, blood pressure has gone down. She got off a medication. She's happier at work. It's amazing. Ah. That is fabulous. And for those, obviously, everybody's listening to this because we're, I don't have a video podcast at this point in time. So when you said we got rid of the always never language, like Mm. I celebrated, like literally (laughs) arms in the air, celebrated that because that is something that literally those are worse words in my house than the F word. Mm -hmm. Like my kids could drop an F word and I'd be like, Okay, tell me about that. But if they say always or never, they know 
they know if they say always or never, and it's in the context of, well, you never do this, or I always have to, that's when I'm going to go, oh, wait, (laughs) let's have a, let's have a big, long conversation around that. I'm going to challenge that. Right. It's, it's not true. Like you always have, always there's the, now we're going to be, but now we're perseverating on it. There is proof. There is proof each and every time. Yeah. That that is incorrect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You never let me do this last week. Yes. <laughs> I let you do that but thing. <laughs> in that moment. But see, this is this is another big thing, too, is I teach people how to take the pause, take the breath, mm-hmm. regroup. Because when we get into that limbic brain way down deep, it yeah. does feel like it's always and never. It does mm-hmm. feel like life or death. It is an emergency. We need it now. Well, that's when we've got to take a pause, slow down. Mm-hmm. And even though I am known as the queen of action, my whole shtick is about slowing down, which believe you me, for somebody who lives with that Tasmanian devil energy on the inside, I'm <laughs> always in motion. But that can be exhausting and it usually ends poorly oh because gosh, yeah. we got to stop and take a breath. So that we can think and get that get that blood flow and that oxygen back to the frontal lobe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one thing I know for me that I've established over the years is I don't let myself make decisions when I'm super emotional. Like no no decisions allowed, calmed, like until I calm down, like I can rant and rave all I want. I can like yeah. I can feel the emotions and be part of it. But I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to do this or we're going to do it. Like, mm. deep breath. Yeah. When it's time to make the decision, we're not in our emotional self. Because right. I've learned that I never make good decisions. And I will well, say never. I never I, make good decisions in, in my emotional moment, state. <laughs> right. Has anybody ever called you an extremist? You're so extreme. I that that, you know, and I know there are people listening who understand this. You go from A to Z. There's no in between. Oh, now, yeah. I married my in between. He is that space of the, you know, the yin and the yang, but he keeps me grounded, but I still have a tendency to say, "Okay, that's that's it," you know. <laughs> and I go from A to Z. I won't ever do that again or I'm always going to that's yeah. so that can that pause can help us prevent the A to Z and yeah, the middle, the murky middle is a little, well, to me, it's kind of boring. I sort of enjoy being on extremes, but it, it, if we're going to get along with other people, we got to figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's, I, I think that's a hallmark for any of us who do find ourselves on the ADHD spectrum, right? Which is the, we like being on the extremes because that's where the excitement is. And that's mm-hmm. the dopamine hit that we yeah are craving and going after all the time is where's the fun? Where's the, yeah. where's the, the, you know, the roller coaster is fun until we're at the bottom of the roller coaster. And then we're <laughs> like, Oh, but, but, but the curly cue is fun and the loop de loop and like going really high and looking at, looking at, Oh, look how high we are forgetting that when you get that high, there's gotta be a bottom to, to go on that ride. Dip. Right. Yes. So yes. it's helping to kind of, 
level some of that out for us so that we can find more of the dopamine without going so high. And, so and you low. know, I'm going to I'm going to back up and I want to tell you the one the, the this client mm-hmm. told me just yesterday that she's been missing her crafting. Like she she's like, I've got for those of you who got that crafting room and it's just filled with crap, not crafts. Yeah. Crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she told me that she rented a hall and invited her friends to come on this one day to sit and do crafts together. She built the table when she didn't have a seat at the table. You see, nice. it's like. This is the other thing when we get into this mindset that we're broken or that nobody wants to hang out with us because we're always late or we're always um, impulsive or um, say things that we shouldn't or we're at the wrong times. Think that we're never going to have that group of friends or we can't find anything that makes us happy. Create the event. Rent the hall. Invite people to the party. You can create whatever you want. And many of you already have with these with the side businesses you've got going on but if you're not seeing what it is you need then build it create it start it it doesn't have to be perfect yes oh my gosh yeah and that and that takes us back to what you were saying earlier is that we're also our harshest crit- critics right <laughs> yes and which is i think part of why so many people with ADHD have that rejection sensitive dysphoria is because we're already so hard on ourselves. So if somebody says the tiniest little thing, the reason it hits so hard, and this is just my own assessment for myself, right? Yeah. The reason yeah. that can sometimes hit so hard is because whatever that negative thing is that somebody said, I've already said it to myself probably 700 times before. And so yeah. I'm like, oh, someone else saw it. Yeah. You know? And so I think that I love that idea of if you don't see the thing you want in your life, create it, build it. Because I feel like that's what I've done. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. In, in a lot of different parts of my life. And it, I mean, that's what I've done with the podcast. I was like, I got to get my message out there. And I can't, I can't count on getting on every single podcast to share. So hell, I'll just start one. <laughs> you know? Excellent. Yes. Yes. And sometimes when we get into the thick of things, we look around at what we've created and think, oh, now what? Look what I've done, you know, and and for many of us, there are these piles that we we've sort of left behind Mm -hmm. messy piles and we're embarrassed by those. And I would say and one of the reasons I say we, Jenny, is because I just got tested and I'm still waiting on the 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 golden envelope here for the (laughs) with the results. I'll you know, more to come. When we struggle with things and we're ashamed of our piles and we have we carry around that shame, it is so important to get the support that you need to get through that, to get past it, because we can get past it. We can let go of that. Many, many ways to do that. But therapy, medication, you know, getting a a, a support group, having a great group of friends, letting go of the toxicity of the friendships that you have right now that you know are hurtful and letting go is one of the hardest things that we do in our lives. But you know what? It always means that we're moving forward and that's really where we want to go. Good. Oh my gosh. So as you continue to work with people through this, 
what are the you just brought up one of the things one of the hardest things is letting go what are some of the other maybe what's the other top struggle that you see especially in entrepreneurs as they're working with their invisible disabilities Mm. that that you help people past well first of all that they think they have to do it on their own i mean this is you know we don't want anybody to see our struggle and so it takes a long time for us to bring anybody into the business to help and I mean, thank you, pandemic. Virtual assistants are phenomenal. Little, find the things that you hate doing and begin to let go of those to delegate those out. So let go of the control. It's not only the stuff, the people, but your own control and the belief that you've got to do it on your own. That is a heavy load to carry because let's face it, too many balls not enough hands, you know, we're like <laughs> juggling. I know I probably, it's probably not the best for the audio podcast, but <laughs> you get my point. Too many balls, not enough hands. We've got to, yeah. we've got to get some support. And what does that look, you know, start small, start small. But I, I know everyone listening needs help in, in some way. And that could yeah. even be hire somebody to come in every other week and just clean one area of your home. What is your time worth? You know, $50 for a couple hours or 90 minutes for somebody to clean the first floor of your home where you live the most or even just your office. Those kind of things. Once you begin to do it, you'll realize it gets easier to ask for help. Oh, yeah. So that's a huge one. Ask for help. Get supports. I would 100% back that up and recommend my recommendation is find a professional organizer and especially find one who is very familiar with working with people with ADHD or whatever your diagnosis may be in most of my listeners, it's ADHD because you attract who you are. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Because one of the best things I ever did for myself was hire a professional organizer because that is one area that I recognize if I walk into a room and I can see the mess. I can like I see it's there. And logically, I understand just start somewhere. Mm. And still in my brain, I go, nope, nope. I what? like I just decision overwhelm. Where do I start? Because I yep. also know that if I do start, I'm going to start working here and then I'm going to move to this pile and then I'm going to move to that pile and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to. And none of it's going to look any better because I would have worked on 17 piles instead of two, right? Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bringing in the professional organizer who is very familiar with working with people with ADHD, holds no judgment, can help you develop a system that works. My kitchen is still organized two and a half years later, people, because I brought in the right person. Right. That's huge. And remember, when you let go and let other people do what that's their wheelhouse this mm-hmm. is what they do well and it comes easy for them and you know what giving and receiving you need both you give a lot to a lot of people and it's time to receive because that's good balance when you talk about and i rarely talk about balance in life but that giving and receiving that's one i'm a huge fan of Oh, love that. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, honestly, I know that it, it can be hard for people 
especially entrepreneurs who feel like, okay, I stuck out on this to 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 do it on my own, right? Because that's the languaging we we put in our I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this on my own, I'm gonna build this business, I'm gonna do whatever. And what they fail to recognize is that receiving is a gift in and of itself. <laughs> and I had to have this pointed out to me by one of my mentors because he was like, you love to give, right? And I was like, yes, I love to give. And he said, okay, so give receiver or give other givers the opportunity to give to you. And I was like, oh, right. Mind blown. Because we are rarely, I mean, well, we are, we are selfish. We like the way it feels when we give to other people. Yeah. And, you know, we got to remember other people feel just as good when they give. To open up your arms and receive it. And trust, there's another one, everything is temporary. So you may not be in a season right now where you can give, 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 Mm -hmm. whether that's because of illness or finances or maybe you're grieving. And there will come a time when you feel strong again and you can give back. Trust that. Trust, trust, trust the timing. Love that. And speaking of giving, you have put together a little superpower swap tip sheet (laughs) that you would like to gift the badass crew. Tell us about the superpower swap. It's so all these things that we talked about initially, like being impulsive or or being, uh, I don't know, spontaneous or loud or these are all really their superpowers. And this superpower swap is a great way to, in 10 seconds, literally, you, you see these, some of these words that you've been described as, mm-hmm. and I show you how they are your strength, one of your greatest strengths. And then you begin talking like that. You begin speaking that language instead of saying, well, I'm, I'm so messy. Or, you know, I, you, we repeat the things that we've heard. And I'm giving you new language to start thinking about these words in a powerful way. I love this. And so, Badass Crew, you guys know to go check the show notes for the, for the link to get to the superpower swap tip sheet. Uh, but if this is your first time ever listening to the show and you're like, how do I get this? What you're going to do is grab your phone, click on today's episode. Now, make sure you're not driving. So hopefully you're like at your house or at work or something grab your phone click on today's episode click under regina's picture scroll up just a little bit underneath and you'll see the link to the superpower swap tip sheet where you can click and go get your copy of that superpower swap tip sheet and i know in addition to that regina you also do a weekly email where you help empower people. Tell us a little bit more about that as well. Well, you know what? I That is one thing that I have done in my business, Jenny, that I can say I am proud of. I keep showing up. I've, I, I keep showing up every, every day, every week. And this is one thing that I have done consistently. consistently. And I just had somebody tell me recently, you know, nine out of 10 times. And she said, in fact, nine point Nine, nine out of 10 times, whatever it is that I'm reading in your Monday message, it hits home. It's exactly what I needed to hear. Mm. And a lot of the way that I do, and I do my writing on my own, 
And I feel in, I use my intuitive gifts, which we didn't talk about, but many of you listening, I know you have those too. And they actually help you in your business. But I feel into what people need to hear and I write about it. And then I give you a challenge. To, so this is one way of sort of a little bit of self-improvement, a little bit of business improvement, and you have a week to work on it. And there's always an opportunity for you to email me and answer a question or share a concern. And I respond to everyone who Aww. sends me an inquiry. I love that. So how can people, if they want that Monday message so that they can get get some empowerment, get a little challenge of a little self-improvement that they could work on that week. How can they access that? Queenofaction.com. Oh, can you believe that? I couldn't believe I got that link. <laughs> Queenofaction.com. That is what it's all about. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love to get you connected with me on LinkedIn so we can learn more about what we're doing in the world to make it a better place. I love it. And of course, we're going, we have, Regina's LinkedIn link in the show notes, queenofaction.com. If you want to go get that empowering Monday message uh, from her as well, uh, you can go check that out. So Regina, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for coming here to have this discussion because I know it is really the direction in which I'm trying to help people is to accept their invisible diagnoses the the invisible things like yes they're disabilities but they're also superpowers you know you i mean heck you called it the superpower swap tip sheet that's right but there are invisible things that we are each dealing with and thank you for helping us like think through some of these i really appreciate you thank you so much and remember jenny we don't see the world as it is we see the world as we are and so my question to everyone today is, how are you seeing the world? Oh, that's so good. And especially since they're hearing this at the beginning of the year, how are, mm. how are you seeing who you are at the beginning of the year? How do, you, how do you want to see yourself at the end of the year? That's fantastic. I love that. Thank you. Regina, thank you. Thank you again. And Badass Crew, you know how this goes. Stay tuned because there is another Badass episode on its way. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.